Well, good morning and a warm welcome to those worshiping with us in the fellowship hall and here in the sanctuary. My name is Nathan Newman. I'm the community pastor here at MPC, and it's a privilege to be able to worship together this morning to look at God's word. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to you. Uh, We do thank you for joining us for this, the last service of the year the last service of the decade for our church. It's fun to still be able to say that. And it is the time of year where we culturally and I think instinctively just pause to reflect on what's happened in the past. As we look back and we also look ahead to what the future holds for us as well. And today we're going to be in Mark chapter 8, verses eight or 14 through 21. And you can find that on page 843 if you're using one of our church Bibles. Mark 8, verses 14 through 21. Now they had forgotten to bring bread, and they had only one loaf with them in the boat. And he cautioned them, saying, Watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes do you not see, and having ears do you not hear? And do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the five thousand, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, Twelve. And the seven for the 4,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, seven. And he said to them, do you not yet understand? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's bow our heads together as we come to his word. Merciful and loving Father, we submit ourselves to you and to your word. And we ask that you would give each one of us the humility to acknowledge that all too often we don't know what is best. We don't know what to say or how to respond. And so would you give us the humility to admit that we need help. We need insight from you, our creator. We need you, our loving heavenly father, to open our eyes that we might see. And so help us, Spirit, not only to understand what this passage means, but also what it means for our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever experienced the power of God? Maybe even if it was only once or twice, something miraculous that you can't understand, and yet you still Don't trust it yet for the future. Well, today we come to a similar story. A similar story where we see Jesus' closest friends, his disciple. And we're at nearly the climax of Mark's gospel. And yet his closest friends fail, completely fail to understand who Jesus is and the miracles that are literally happening right in front of their eyes. So how did they miss it? They're walking with the Son of God for these three years and yet lacking true intimacy. And perhaps an even more important question for us this morning is are we in danger of missing it 
as well. So let's start together by looking at verse 14, where we read that they had forgotten to bring bread and that they only had one loaf with them in the boat. If you've been with us the last couple weeks, you might be shaking your head. Really, disciples, how could you forget the bread? We're off to a great start. And so point one, we are a forgetful people. We are a forgetful people. We know that in the Old Testament, remembering was a part of Israel's religious experience. Moses tells his people in Deuteronomy 4, only take care, keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. And then a couple hundred years to a couple hundred years later to the same people, the author of the book of Judges in chapter 8 writes this, the people of Israel did not remember the Lord their God who had delivered them from the hand of all their enemies on every side. You see, the disciples, like Israel, had failed to remember. And just to be clear, it's not the bread that Jesus is upset about them forgetting. Jesus is upset because they're forgetting that they're in the boat with the bread of life himself. And I love how one commentator puts it, because the disciples are anxious about their lack of bread, but Jesus is anxious about their lack of faith. Because the truth is, the issue is deeper than their hunger pains. The issue goes deep into their hearts and our hearts as well. It wasn't about the physical hunger. Jesus is speaking of spiritual forgetfulness. And so speaking of bread, Jesus says in verse 15, watch out for the leaven of the Pharisees. Now, of course, what Jesus had intended for the disciples to take metaphorically, they take quite literally. But what would we expect the disciples to respond when Jesus says this to them, this warning? I have a couple ideas, a couple ways they could have responded. They could have said, okay, we got you, Jesus. We understand. Or maybe you're more like me. Maybe the second option is, okay, Jesus, what, what do you mean the leaven of the Pharisees or of Herod? Can you explain that a little bit more? Or maybe they could have said, okay, teacher, what are some practical ways that we can make sure that we are not influenced by their leaven? But what is their answer? What do we, what do we see there at verse 16? And they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. So their answer is D, none of the above. Jesus, the wisest teacher who ever walked the earth, has dropped some amazing knowledge on them. And their response to him is, okay, Jesus, that's great. But we didn't pack any bread, so we don't have any plans for lunch. And I just imagine what that boat conversation is like as maybe Peter turned to Bartholomew and said, really, you forgot to bring leftovers from the 4,000? That was your job. And verse 16 really 
shows us that the disciples were completely unaware of their situation. They were unaware of their condition, that they had forgotten what Jesus had just done. And so what is Jesus talking about here with the yeast? We should think about that just a little bit. And in the Bible, yeast or leaven is mostly used to describe bad things, primarily sin. In fact, Israel would have a New Year's cleanse, a New Year's detox at least once a year around the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And so what Jesus is doing here is he's using the illustration of yeast to warn them about their complacency, about their forgetfulness. And we understand the science of it a little bit more now, but yeast, we know, spreads through the dough, and it just takes a little bit to spread. And if you don't bake it at just the right time, it will eventually take all of the sugar out of the bread and become inedible and bitter. And so Jesus is warning them about this. There's so many other examples that we can think of with the sin of complacency or of forgetfulness. Think of adultery, forgetting our covenant with our partner, or prejudice, forgetting that every man and woman is created uniquely in the image of God, or greed, forgetting that God is the provider of all things, or pride, thinking that we are more important than we are. All of these sins have their roots in small, seemingly insignificant acts of forgetfulness. And the biggest danger for us, our biggest challenge that we will face this year is not ultimately who is going to be elected in November. It's not ultimately a hostile or religiously um, plural culture. It's not even that person at work or school who's giving you a hard time. Our biggest and greatest threat for this next year is our incredible capacity for forgetfulness. Because forgetfulness is heartbreaking. Anyone who has been to a memory care unit knows how painful it is when you lose a loved one again and again. Imagine how heartbreaking it is to God when we forget. Maybe even more haunting to me, are we even aware of our forgetfulness like these disciples? Are we upset by our sin? And if our answer to either of those questions is no, then we may be dangerously close to unbelief. So how are we like the disciples, around often the things of Jesus and yet not really seeing him. It's because we are first a forgetful people. But if you turn the page with me and look at verses 17 and 18, we see that's why Jesus responds to their preoccupation with bread by asking them a series of rhetorical questions. We often ask questions because we're trying to jog someone's memory. And Jesus is doing that here with his disciples. Aware of this, he said to them, why, why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? 
Do you not perceive or understand? Do you not see? Can't you hear? Don't you remember? Do you not yet understand? So first, we are a forgetful people. But second, let's move beyond the bad news to the remedy of our forgetfulness. The first remedy of our forgetfulness is point number two. We need to look back. We need to look back. And if Jesus' questions are not enough, Mark concludes with a helpful reminder of the results of some of his most recent miracles. Helping the disciples take a jog down memory lane, he says to them in verses 19 and 20, a little while back, we only had five loaves to feed the 5,000, and how many leftovers did we have? I love that Mark actually records their answer here. They say, 12. And everyone, do you remember the seven for the 4,000? How many leftovers then? Seven. In other words, why are y'all worried about the bread by only having one loaf? Now, I want to pause for a moment and just talk to those who still might be exploring Christianity this morning. Because this is a great example of how we can trust that these stories are true because they weren't contrived or fabricated. Because never in a million years, if you were inventing a new religion, would you include this story. Because these are the future leaders of this movement, and yet they're so clueless. They're missing the plot in a massive way. The truth is you only write a story like this if it actually happened. And if it happens to them, then it can also happen to us. And we too can learn from how Jesus responds to them. And what Jesus does is he helps them by deliberately walking them through the past. Because looking back is a great practice. It's a great remedy to forgetfulness. And so would you consider, take some time over the next few days to remember God's faithfulness to you in 2019? Deliberately looking to the past to remember God's faithfulness is our greatest antidote to forgetfulness. We've had a great year doing just that as a church family, looking back, reflecting on our 75th anniversary as a church. And think about God's faithfulness to us for a moment with me in 2019, when we launched a new site in Fairfax, which just a few weeks ago welcomed their first new members. There have been new baptisms and new friendships formed and new community groups started and neighbors who've been invited Easter and a Christmas Eve service even just a few days ago for the first time. God has been good to our church family. Or think back to this time last year. We were behind. We had a big budget deficit. If you remember, we were $500,000 behind budget this time last year. And we all turned to each other and said, yeah, we know God is in charge. We'll be okay when the money doesn't come in. But what happened? Well, the Holy Spirit nudged you and nudged me and nudged your neighbor 
And over those last few days, that deficit was zero. In fact, we ended up with a surplus of $1,029. And you say, we couldn't have organized such a precise amount of gifts coming in. We couldn't have had the elders, the leaders of this church call each of our members and say, well, we need to give this much and take all the pledges and get to the right amount. But God provided exactly what we need. Almost like there's a higher power. Holy Spirit was nudging us to give, to give generously. And so thank you for keeping in step with the Spirit because God moved us to give. And you've heard us talk at the end of year about the importance of our end of year giving. And so in a way, we find ourselves in a similar place. Last report was we're $672,000 behind budget this year in these last few days. And ultimately, we stand in the same place, trusting in God's provision for our church. But my challenge to us is that we would not act so surprised and instead expect that the Lord will do the same this year in and through our generosity. It is a good practice to look back and to give thanks to God for supplying for every need. Maybe personally too, you have a story of of how this church has impacted your life. I'll tell you one of my own. Who could have dreamed that 23 years ago, my wife Jess, her parents were here attending the baptism of their niece. And they left inspired to go back and plant a gospel-centered church in their hometown of West Michigan, a place where their daughter would grow up and respond to the gospel call in faith, a place where she would learn about this school on top of a mountain in Georgia and meet this Baptist boy from Alabama who only went to that school to play baseball and instead fell in love with the church and eventually that girl in D.C. Find his way back to that place where he's literally grown up in the ministry under the godly leadership of this church. And so we praise God for the faithfulness, for what he is doing in and through us, through our church family, through the generations. And looking back is a helpful way to remember God's faithfulness to us. And so how has God shown up for you in these last 12 months? Maybe even these last 12 years or even 12 days. What is a New Year's resolution going to be for you? Let me offer you one. Let's commit together to spending more quality and quantity of time reflecting on God's faithfulness to us. Recently, uh, an organization named Barna did a study on Christian millennials and their consumption of media. And their results, I think, apply to any generation. But they found that the average Christian millennial consumes around 2,700 hours of media per year that's curated by the culture. Anyone want to guess how many spiritual hours of content they were consuming on average? 
300. Did anybody do the Spotify wrapped this year in 2019? It's that thing at the end of the year where they tell you how many hours of music you listen to and your top artists. So this was the top artist on my, I say this, shared Spotify account. The Newmans really vibed with the Jonas Brothers in 2019. (laughs) I'm really glad that Netflix doesn't tell me how many hours that I've consumed each year, at least yet. Now, the point is, my aim is not to shame us in watching TV or listening to music. The point is, our forgetfulness is often self-induced. Because when we tip the scales so significantly to the influencers of this world, we can't be surprised at the lack of intimacy that we experience with Christ. And so how can we begin to experience that intimacy? Let's start at a meal today by reflecting about what God has done this past year. If you're not in a community group or a Bible study Join one. This is a great time to plug in with other believers outside of a Sunday worship service. And so don't let this next year pass you by without doing something about that. What's your plan to read the Bible more regularly in 2020? And if you don't have one, well, then you are already planning to fail. So grab someone, someone who can help keep you accountable to read along with you this next year. And we'll be sharing some of these ideas on social media over the next few days. Looking back on Jesus helps us find our hope in him and not our own self-sufficiency. That's what looking back does. And that takes us to our third point. We are forgetful people. We need to look back. Point number three, we need to look forward. And so let's look at the last verse where we see one final question in 2019 from Jesus. And he said to them, do you not yet understand? Do you not yet understand? There's one simple word in that verse that gives us great hope today. And that word is yet. Because that word and the rest of the story makes all the difference for you and me. Because we can yet believe. The disciples showed that we can't do this on our own. But that's the whole point of the gospel. That's the good news. Because Jesus doesn't give up on them. And he doesn't give up on us either. And you see how this happens all throughout Mark's gospel. Nobody gets it until Jesus touches them, until Jesus heals them. See, it's Jesus who gives us new eyes to see. And it's no accident that right after our passage this morning that we see Jesus gives sight to a blind man. I would encourage you to go home and read it later, verses 22 through 26. And it's interesting because it does take a couple of times for this blind man to get it. At first, things are blurry. People are walking around like stick figures. And often that's true of us. We're works in process. 
Sometimes it happens immediately. Sometimes coming to faith happens gradually as well. But he is so committed to us seeing and remembering him that he sends us the helper. He sends us the spirit to lead us into remembrance. And he's so committed to us seeing and remembering him that he gives us a meal to remind us of his sacrifice, of his atoning blood shed for you and for me, a meal that we will take together next week. Listen to this stunning promise from Isaiah 49. Can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. Behold, I've engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. Do we believe that God cares for us in this way? Because the message of Christianity is that Jesus came and never forgot a word from his father. He never forgot his character or his values. He never forgot to love. He never forgot to serve. And then he took the penalty for all of the times that we have forgotten those things and will forget them in the future. And today is a great day to realize that Jesus is the Christ, crucified, raised, rose again for you and for me, that we might confess with our mouth that he is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead. Because everyone who calls upon his name will be saved. That is the promise of the gospel. And that is true today. One of the greatest threats that we will face this next year is forgetfulness. So our task together is to help one another remember. Looking forward to the one, Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. He has come and he will come again. Amen. Let's pray together. Mighty and merciful God, you have sustained us each through another year. 365 days of shelter and food. You've given us a safe place to gather with your people and worship you week in and week out. And on our best days and our darkest nights, you've been with us. And we pray once more that you would help us to see Jesus, that you would help us to truly see and to truly hear. So we ask that you would open our eyes and ears and hearts by the power of your spirit. Amen.